0: Well, good evening, everyone. Again, welcome to Faith Reformed Baptist Church. Uh, let's uh, turn again in our Bibles to the Gospel according to Mark, chapter number nine. And uh, this evening, we will read the same text that we read this morning, beginning in verse number 38, and read down through the end of the chapter. And we will only be dealing with verses 42 through 48 tonight but uh uh, but we want to read this and keep the context before we read let's go again to the lord in prayer precious lord we bless you and thank you for the privilege to be in church again this evening thank you for each one that is here join together with us and thank you for those that are listening uh, in any other way by means of uh, social media on uh, uh, youtube or on uh, uh, sermon audio lord we know that maybe even in the future people will tune in and hear the preaching of this message and i pray that you would Guide those to it that need it the most. I pray that they would hear and receive and that you would work repentance and faith in them. And I pray that as we study your word tonight, that it would encourage us and warn us so that we might live in a way that would honor you and be a light to others. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. But let's begin our reading in verse number 38. John answered him saying, Master, we saw one casting out devils in thy name, and he followeth not us, and we forbade him, because he followeth not us. But Jesus said, Forbid him not, for there is no man which shall do a miracle in my name that can lightly speak evil of me. For he that is not against us is on our part. For whosoever shall give you a cup of water to drink in my name, because you belong to Christ, verily I say unto you, he shall not lose his reward. And whosoever shall offer one of the... Or excuse me, I've got so many scribbles on my Bible, I can't hardly read it. Whosoever shall offend one of these little ones that believe in me, it is better for him uh, that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he were cast into the sea. And if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. Uh, Matthew's uh, uh, version of this says, cut it off and cast it from you. Cut your hand and your foot off and cast it from you. Uh, Tear out your eye and cast it from you. He said, if thy hand offend thee or uh, if it causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell into the fire that never shall be quenched where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. And if thy foot offend thee or cause you to stumble or cause you to fall into sin, cut it off. It's better for thee to enter halt or lame into life than having two feet to be cast into hell into the fire that never shall be quenched where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. And if thine eye offend thee or cause you to stumble or fall into sin, tear it out. That's the the meaning of the word. Pluck it out. Tear it out. It's better for thee to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye, than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire, where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched for everyone shall be salted with fire and every sacrifice shall be salted with salt salt is good but if the salt have lost its saltness wherewith shall will you season it have salt in yourselves and have peace one with another now i think that uh, we could we would all agree that jesus is uh, is showing us uh, a twofold message here that sin is a horrible thing and that hell is a terrible reality. Sin is a horrible thing. We giggle at it. We dabble in it. We joke about it, but sin, according to what Jesus is saying here, is such a horrible thing that if it were uh, true that your hands, that uh, uh, represents what you're doing, what you do, if that causes you to sin, you would be better off to amputate that hand to cut it off and cast it from you. I think one problem that we have sometimes in uh, dealing with sin is that we we get to the point of cutting it off. We just don't throw it away. We don't cast it from us. But And he goes on again and says that if your foot where you go is causing you to sin, you're better off to tear that off, to cut that off and cast it away. And if your eye causes you to fall into sin, you are better off to rip your eye out and cast it away than to be cast into hell fire where the fire is never quenched and where their worm dieth not. And so this is a very, very uh, intense passage of scripture, I'll say. Before I get into it, though, I want to talk, uh, I I want to just uh, hit that last point that uh, I didn't get to this morning in our message, uh, because it deals with the 41st verse uh, that says this, For whosoever shall give you... A cup of water to drink in my name, because you belong to Christ. Verily, I say unto you, he shall not lose his reward. Now, I may have uh, said this, but uh, but we need to pay attention to the fact that our deeds, our works, are important. They are valuable. Even the least of our works are very valuable. And not only that, we got to know that God is faithful. He does not forget. You know, the writer of Hebrews in uh, chapter number six, after having given one of the most frightening warnings to his readers, the writer then says, but God is not unjust to forget your work of faith and labor of love that you have showed to his name. Aren't you glad of that? Even though having given a cup of water to someone is something that it would be insignificant to you and you would forget all about it. He doesn't forget. He never misses it. And it means something to him, isn't it? Uh, Malachi that uh, talks about how that uh, 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 when people get together and start talking about the Lord and fellowshipping about the Lord, that He notices it, and a book of remembrance is written before before Him for them because just because they sat around and talked about the goodness of God, He pays attention and not only that but those good works are his uh his will for us after he saves us in uh Ephesians chapter number two verses uh eight nine and ten he says for by grace are you saved through faith And that, not of yourselves, that faith, it's not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, that God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And in uh, uh, Matthew chapter 5, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works Mm -hmm. and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And so this is a, a very, very important thing. Uh, what we do. It means something to God. It's important to God. It's important to uh, others. And uh, uh, it's important to the scripture. We need to take it as a, uh, as a command to uh, be diligent to give uh, to others and to serve others. Matter of fact, Matthew chapter 25, I've talked about this before and we won't go there and read it, but in Matthew chapter 25, uh, Jesus gives a parable that illustrates his second coming and his judgment. And he says, when he comes in his glory, uh, he will divide the nations Uh, like a shepherd divides his sheep from his goats and the goat nations will be on the left hand and the sheep nations will be on the right hand and those that are on his right hand he'll say listen uh, enter into the kingdom that's been prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was uh, 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 naked and you clothed me. I was hungry and you fed me. I was, and I don't have it all in order. But, but he goes through a list of needs that, uh, uh, that he had and they met those needs. And they said, well, we don't remember that. When did we ever see you hungry? And feed you. When did we ever see you without clothing and clothe you? When did we ever see you sick and come to you? When did we ever see you in prison and visit? And he said. Inasmuch as you've done it unto the least of these. My brethren. You've done it to me. I was. uh, My brother called me this afternoon and I was talking to him you know and and uh, he's uh, always talks about you know how that uh, we've gone to the mission field Jan and I have and and spent uh, time serving the Lord and he said you know I just feel like I have done nothing and I said well you know uh, the very last verse of the text that I preached this morning and I read it to him and he said you know He said, uh, it wasn't very long ago that I looked out my window and there's a Methodist church next door to him. And he said, there was a uh, lady out there with the hood up on her car. And he said, it was hot. And she was uh, trying to figure out something and maybe waiting on somebody to come and help her. And he said, so I I took a, a glass and of cold water. I took it out there and gave it to her. And he said, you know, don't take this wrong. I'm not trying to hit on you. I just saw you out here and I thought I would uh, give you some something to drink. And he said she cried and she was just so happy and, and everything. It just meant so much to her. Well, you know, serving people is like that. It's a blessing to them and it'll be a blessing to you too. And you can remember this. God saw it and God likes it. Mm -hmm. God likes it. Mm -hmm. And there is a reward for that. Well, so now we're talking about the horror of sin and the terror of hell. And, uh, And I believe these two things are very, uh, very easily seen in our text tonight. Uh, First of all, let's talk a little bit about sin. And uh, uh, maybe we don't see these uh, first uh, uh, couple of items in this passage of Scripture, but I want us to notice and, and keep in mind that sin is a consequence of the fall, right? Sin is a consequence of the fall and it is inherent in our nature. Since the fall, we have all been born sinners. The sin of Adam, the guilt of Adam has been passed down to us, but the nature of Adam as well. Has been passed down to us when Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, there was a cataclysmic event that took place. I mean they didn't just get uh, they didn't just fall in the sense that they were uh, uh, disobedient to God, but they fell in many different ways they fell mentally they fell spiritually they fell. Physically, it affected their environment it affected everything about them, everything that touched them and their very activity. You know, when God put Adam in the garden, he put him there to uh, dress the garden and to till it. Now, some of us think that uh, work is part of the fall. No, work is not part of the fall. Work is an honorable thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, work came even before the fall, but after the fall, work became a burden. And so uh, uh, sin is a consequence of that fall, and it has uh, taken such a hold in our lives that even though we're aware of it, and even though we uh, try to battle it, it's still there. It's inherent in our nature, and it's universal. We can look at other people, and I look at people, and I think, man, that's a good guy. Man, he's a that's a good fella. I bet you he never sins and and stuff. And I, I mean, he's probably uh, uh, just a good fella. I think about Jim that way. I think about Russ that way. I think about all of you that way. I just, man, that's a good guy. That's a good lady. But doctrinally, I know it ain't so, right? I know that all of us are sinners by nature. And we're not sinners because we sin, but we sin because we're sinners. I know you've heard that, but it's true. We are sinners. It's a consequence of the fall. Not only that sin Has given us a debt that we cannot pay. And there's only one that can pay for our sin, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. We cannot pay for it ourselves, even if we were to die and go to hell and spend eternity in hell, it would never be long enough to pay for our sin. But our Savior took our sin on himself, took our sin in his body, and he took the punishment of God for it, and he suffered for it, and he paid the debt that we could not pay. And and so here's the point I want to get to with that. If you look at Jesus on the cross, you will see what a horrible thing sin is. Sin is horrible. And you can see the horror of it when you look at a bloody, beaten Savior hanging on the cross. I think often about how that uh, uh, the... Uh, pictures the uh, types and shadows of Jesus in the Old Testament are uh, animal sacrifices right like lambs and and goats and and animals that are sacrificed. but these animals that are sacrificed, did you notice that they're just slaughtered, they're killed, their throats cut and that's it. But Jesus is bludgeoned and bloodied and beaten until he uh, Isaiah 52 said his visage was so marred more than any man. He didn't even, uh, it seems like he's saying that he didn't even look like a man. He was beaten. I had a friend one time who was uh, 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 beaten. He was attacked one night. He was a, he was a real estate guy. And he went to show someone a property, and they beat him with a a, a metal thing. They beat him until he was with just a fraction of an inch of his life. Mm -hmm. And I went to see him in the hospital. He was in ICU, and you would not have thought that it was a human being. Mm -hmm. His head was so huge, you couldn't tell where his eyes or his nose was. He was beaten. Can you imagine our Lord Jesus Christ Mm. having been beaten like that? As a matter of fact, they said they ripped the beard from his face. Mm. Don't you try it on me. I mean, can you imagine that? They ripped the beard from his face. They beat him until his back was bloody. They put the crown of thorns on him. He was In such a horrible condition. And the reason I'm going into all that. Is because that shows us. Just how God feels about sin. It's that kind of thing. It's a horrible thing. And he does not approve of it. He does not wink at it. He does not ignore it. He doesn't just look through his fingers and giggle. Because sin's still active in our lives. He still hates sin. Mm He hates your sin. He hates my sin. And sin is also habitual. And I hate to say this, but we still do it. We still, still sin. Mm -hmm. And Paul is pretty honest about his battle with the... indwelling sin in Romans chapter 7, but but it is a battle. And you know, every child of God is battling sin. Every true child of God is battling sin in their lives. I am never, never okay with sin in my life. For you, I never am. No, it's a, it's a battle for me. But I'll tell you when you'd better begin, be begin to get nervous is when there's not a battle. Mm. If you're not battling sin, then sin has already conquered you mm. in some degree. Mm. John Owen said this, and it's, one of one of my favorite quotes. He's uh, in his uh, book on the mortification of sin. He said, "You will either be killing sin, or sin will be killing you." Mm-hmm. And uh, what was it that Paul says here in Romans eight thirteen? For if we live after the flesh, if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. It's a battle. Sin is a battle in our lives. And I believe that Jesus wants us to see that in this passage of Scripture that uh, uh, that it's something that we need to be battling. And, and the uh, second point I want to make tonight about our passage is that uh, there's some consequences to sin. Sin dishonors God. And as I've already said, sin brutalizes or brutalized Christ. Mm-hmm. But we find in this passage of scripture that sin can also cause others to stumble. Your sin, my sin can cause someone else to stumble. And this is what Jesus is saying here. He, uh, don't be uh, deceived. He's not saying that if you uh, just make some little child stumble, then you're in trouble. He's using this metaphor, this picture of a child to talk about all his people. And there are some of his people who are not as spiritually mature as others. And there are some that no matter what you did, you might not be able to make them stumble. But then there are others who you might think are very strong Christians that it's almost as if they're looking for a place to fall, you know. And and so we must be careful about sin in our lives. It dishonors God. That's enough that uh, ought to cause us to stop and take notice. It brutalized Christ every time you sin. It, it, it seems to me like every time I do something, especially those things that I know I ought not do, and I do it anyway. You don't do this, but I do sometimes. And I think, oh man, I, I can just see myself adding another stripe to the back of Jesus. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> here's what Jesus is saying. there's a really serious danger If you cause another believer to stumble, God really cares about that. It's a serious thing. And another thing that we can say about the consequences of sin is that it will destroy you. Sin is a destroyer. Do you, you get me? You believe that? Mm-hmm. Sin is a destroyer, and it can send you to hell. It's and that is such a horrible thought that Jesus gave this passage right here, said these things to his disciples. You say, well now, why would he say stuff like this to his disciples? I mean, they're his chosen ones. <laughs> well, there's one of them that wasn't wasn't saved, wasn't, wasn't there? it? It kind of makes me think of, uh, we were a bunch of preacher guys and I were going to a uh, Bible conference somewhere. Uh, I think there was three or four of us in the car. And we always, uh, uh, nobody had ever let us preach, so we'd preach to one another. So, we, you know, we'd go to the Bible conference, nobody would ever call on us to preach. So we'd just preach to one another driving up the highway. And, uh, and uh, uh, Tommy Hudgens, one of our friends. He started preaching and, and you know, back then we preached against everything, you know, uh, short hair on women, long hair on men, uh, too much makeup, you know, women wearing britches and all that kind of stuff. And, and old Tommy, he got to preaching on stuff like that, how women ought to dress and how they ought to be modest and all that kind of stuff. And, he, and I mean, it's just four guys driving up the highway and, the, and when he got through, he gave an invitation. That's... <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, and sometimes you think, well, I don't know why I told that, but, uh, but Jesus is preaching to the choir, so to speak. He's preaching to his disciples, but even one of them, there was one of them that was not truly saved, and so uh, uh, it, it's a fair warning to him. You would be better off, Jesus said, to do whatever it takes to go to radical extremes to get rid of anything that would cause you to fall into sin. Because sin is a destroyer and sin can send a person to hell. Listen, just one sin, just a small sin right? It can send you to hell. If it's unrepentant, if you have sinned in your life and you have never come to the Lord Jesus Christ in repentance and faith for salvation, then that if that was all you ever did, if you only Saw somebody that was thirsty and didn't give them something to drink. And that's the only bad thing you ever did. It's still enough to send you to hell. It's disobedience. And so the only hope for any of us is for someone like Jesus who has borne the full weight of all sin. And cleansed us by his blood. That is our only hope. But if outside of Jesus, sin, even the tiniest, would send you to hell. And hell, that very thought, is such a horrible thing because Jesus uses this term, and this is the third point, the horror that we find in Jesus' description of hell. Jesus, and I know you've heard this before, it's true. If you study the scripture, Jesus preached more on hell than he did on heaven. He had more to say about hell than he did about heaven because he was here to uh, save people from their sin, and sin is a direct path to hell. And he's here to save people from their sin, and he uses this word. Uh, when he, uh, it's translated hell in many places in the New Testament, but it's the word Gehenna. And it is a garbage dump outside the city of Jerusalem. I believe, I think R.C. Sproul told, uh, said this, that it's on the southwest side of the city, and it is a garbage dump. It started way back in Solomon's Time Solomon, one of his wives, uh, enticed him to start wo- worshiping Molech, and Solomon set up an image for Molech, and Molech became a a, a god of fire, and he w- would he the image was like this, and he had his arms. Like this, they would lay a child in his arms and burn that child. And that was the way that Molech was worshiped. In uh, uh, 1 Kings, in 1 Kings chapter 11, uh, you can read about Solomon uh, setting up the uh, worship of Molech. And then in 2 Chronicles chapter 28, Listen to this. Second Chronicles chapter twenty-eight and verse verses uh, verse number something. Ahaz beginning in verse one. Ahaz was twenty years old when he began to reign, and he reigned sixteen years in Jerusalem. But he did not that which was right in the sight of the Lord, like David his father. For he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel. Now this is uh, uh, a king of Judah, believe it or not. But he was walking in the ways of the kings of Israel uh, or Samaria, and they were uh, almost 100% wicked kings, and made also molten images for Balaam, Moreover, he burnt incense in the valley of the son of Hinnom, that's Gehenna, and burnt his children in the fire. Can you you believe that? Burnt his children in the fire after the abominations of the heathen whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. And then in chapter 33, just a few pages over, if you turn right and go just a few pages over to chapter 33, you find another king, Manasseh, and Manasseh does the the same thing. In verse number six, and he caused his children to pass through the fire in the valley of the son of Hinnom. Also, he observed times and used enchantments and used witchcraft and dealt with familiar spirits and with wizards. He wrought much evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke Him to anger. So this is a uh, uh, this is a horrible thing that. Uh, is going on in the nation of Israel or the nation of Judah and uh so there's I, I won't read all these verses but chapter Jeremiah chapter 7 verse 31 and following and chapter 19 verse 2 and uh and following and then there's uh, some scripture in Isaiah dealing with it but this is the Uh, this is the valley of Hinnom or the uh, valley of Gehenna and it finally became a garbage dump and they would take all the filth, all the uh, uh, defiled things out and cast them there and it had a continual fire burning in it. The bodies of dead animals, even the... uh, uh, strangers that were dead, that no one knew, that uh, had no family. they would, Their bodies would be out there in the uh, valley of Gehenna, and they would just be a continual burning. And so it's a smelly place. It's a horrible place. And the picture of it is absolutely uh, sickening. It's horrible. And not only that, There's all these worms and maggots that are out there feeding on the refuge and on the dead bodies. And they continue to eat until the body is consumed. And so Jesus gives this picture and he says this is how horrible hell is. This is what a terrifying place hell is. It is a place like hell. Gehenna, but uh, the fire is never quenched, it's always burning, and the worms don't die because their host is never consumed. So, in a general sense, the fire is not quenched, but notice this is a personal, there's a personal aspect to it. It says, Their worm dies not. Did you see that? I don't know if I ever heard anybody say that. Their worm doesn't die. I don't know what the worm means for uh, certain, but I kind of wonder if, I mean, what is it that, that gnaws at you? Could it be their conscience? Because I have, I have a, uh, a strong idea that people in hell have 100% total recall. Mm. They remember everything. They remember their opportunities. They remember everything, and mm. and they remember all the evil things they've done mm. that uh, made their punishment just. And to have that gnawing at you all the time for all eternity and no rest from it—it it just seems to me that uh, that could be that could be what uh, Jesus is talking about. But it never ends. Mm-hmm. It is a suffering. It is a, a a horror. It is a terror that never ever ends and Jesus says that uh, it's such a horrible thing it would be such a horrible thing for a person who has done something that would cause one of these little ones to fall into sin it's such a terrifying thing that he would be better if he had taken a millstone. If someone had taken a millstone. Now you know what a millstone is, right? Uh, I've seen them a lot in Mexico. You've probably seen them uh, in, uh, uh, if you go to uh, parks where they have old grist mills and things like that. You know what a millstone is. It rolls around and crushes the grain. Can you imagine having a millstone hanged? around your neck and cast into the depths of the sea in other words mate he would have been better off if that had happened to him rather than he had caused one of these little ones to stumble because what's in store for him mm. is terror mm. eternal terror well that's all i have this evening and you're getting out 10 minutes early mm. Don't expect that very often. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. I pray that you would take these, these scattered thoughts and that they would find a lodging place in our minds and in our hearts. That we might be cautious daily and aware of our actions and what the consequences of what we say, what we do, and how we respond, what those consequences could be. We ask you these things in Jesus' name. Mm-hmm. Amen.